Yeah, I think we're on. If we're not, that's okay. Uh, well, I echo what Lynn said. Uh, Happy New Year. And he shouldn't have told you I'd be back next week because, uh, Kirby, your section's down a lot today. They must have known I was coming. You, you, uh, you're going to have to work hard on that next week now, okay? Make sure they show up <laughs> next time. Uh, I told Robert, uh, 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 Roger Browning that if he didn't like this Sunday school lesson this morning, it was his fault. He could have called. <laughs> no, appreciate it. Hope you all have had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, we did. There's 21 in our family when you count just our children and grandchildren, and we were together twice, and uh, from Saturday to Christmas. And the glorious thing about that is my wife and I survived. <laughs> uh, now I know I know Christmas is over and and, and all of that. Uh, all of, all the scripture passages that recount the birth of the Christ child have been read they've been discussed they've been taught about they've been preached on carols have all been sung and put away until next year you know the music i do not ever get tired of hearing is christmas music i get tired of a lot of music but i never tire of hearing the christmas music but all the christmas carols have all been sung and put up for another year and and, and our hearts have been stirred and have been blessed by another beautiful Christmas pageant in our church. Aren't we so very blessed to be a part of a church that has the resources, the abilities, the talents, and most of all the desire to present the Christmas pageant. We're blessed, folks. A lot of churches can't or don't want to do that. And later in the year, we'll be challenged and blessed again as the choir presents for us or the music program in our church presents a celebration of liberty. And I've already heard people talking about that. We were sitting beside two people at the Christmas pageant who had never been in our church before. As a matter of fact, one of the men said, is this the church that's on TV every Sunday? <laughs> uh, yes, sir. It is. A lady, another lady sitting beside us with a little foster child and the son said to me, she said, I saw this on the Facebook and I thought this would be a good thing to come to. She was a veteran and I said, look on your program when you're going to have our celebration of liberty, be sure to come. But we're so blessed that we have a church that will and can do those kind of celebrations. It's such a blessing to us. Now, most of our presents have already been unwrapped and some have already been broken. <laughs> Others have already been exchanged. Our Christmas cards have been sent if you could afford the postage. My wife and I decided whenever it costs more to mail the card than it did to buy the card, we quit. <laughs> So you, that's why you didn't get a Christmas card from us this year. <laughs> Decorations, at least in my house, are still up, but, but, but basically Christmas is over. And I thought about that and I, I said to myself, is, is Christmas ever really over? 
you, you know we can put away all the decorations and all, but the message of Christmas ought to resonate with us all year long. Not just at the Christmas season. I, I, have, we, have we really exhausted all the truths and have we said all that could be and should be said about what Christmas is all about and about the Christmas story? I don't think so. Talking to a friend of mine and he said, boy, I sure am glad Christmas is over so I can get back to my normal routine. I understand what he meant, I think, but should we ever be grateful that Christmas is gone? We need, I think, to, to continue to remember the true message and the true meaning of the Christmas season. Because it contains so many timeless truths that are not confined just to a section of the year, a short period of time called Christmas. There are eternal truths there that I think we need to remember not only at Christmas, but throughout the year. So I would like for you today, if you will please, revisit with me the Christmas story as it's found in the Gospel of Matthew. If you have your Bibles, you can turn in your Bible or your phone or your iPad or wherever you find your scripture. And I'll be reading from the first chapter of Matthew, <clears throat> starting in the 18th verse and reading through the 25th. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, now let me say right there, my wife and I had a big discussion on whether you say betrothed or betrothed. So I'm going to say betrothed. I don't know whether that's right or not, but that's what I'm going to say, okay? When Mary had been, troth, been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people on their sins. <clears throat> All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from during sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife and knew her not until she had born a son, and he called his name Jesus. <coughs> Matthew, <coughs> excuse me, Esther, you should have given me a <laughs> lodge before I came. After a lengthy and sometimes confusing discussion of the genealogy of Jesus, Matthew then comes to tell us about the birth of Jesus, and he does so through what I call Joseph's point of view. Now, <clears throat> Joseph can easily become the forgotten member of the Christmas story, can he? The angels, the shepherd, the wise men, Mary, 
and especially the babe in the manger seemed to stand out and draw our attention. But what about Joseph? He's just kind of off over in the background. He's just there. What about Joseph? What about his point of view? He seems to be a part of the nativity scene we can easily overlook. Now to begin to understand Joseph's point of view, I think we first of all need to look at the dilemma with which he was faced. Now, now think about it if we can. Now to understand his dilemma, we probably need to have a little bit better understanding of what marriage and relationships and marriage were like in the Jewish thought. There were three phases of the Jewish marriage. First of all, there was what could be called the engagement. Uh, we're told that Joseph was betrothed to Mary, his wife, but before that happened, there was the, the, the engagement. Now, that was often made when the couple were only children. It was usually made through parents or even through professional matchmakers. It was often made without the couple involved ever having seen each other. In Jewish thought, marriage was held to be far too serious a step to be left to the dictates of human passion and the human heart. Now, I don't know about you, but I sure am glad my wife and I did not have to choose our children's mates. <clears throat> I'm afraid we might have made some big mistakes. But in the time of Joseph, that's the way it worked. And then after that, there came the betrothal or betrothal period. And this is where we find Joseph and Mary at the time of the story. Now your Bible may say, your translation may say they were engaged and may refer to Mary as Joseph's fiancée, but it was a little bit more than that in Jewish thought. Now when it came to this period, the girl could say, no, I don't want to be married to this man, and that would not, it wouldn't go on. But if she agreed to this period of betrothal, for that to be ended, there had to be like a divorce. A divorce. We read that in the, Joseph was thinking about divorcing Mary. Now they weren't actually man and wife and during this period of betrothal it was a very connected period but they were considered and even referred to as husband and wife though they did not live together as husband and wife. Uh, there is a, a very <clears throat> kind of confusing statement in Jewish law that you'll find every now and then because during this period, if the woman, if the, if the man died, the woman could be referred to as a virgin who is a widow. So this was a very strong time and Joseph, and, and think about where Joseph was. Here, here he was with, with this lady, they were betrothed to be together, <clears throat> and, and he found she was pregnant. Now the third stage of, this, of the marriage is the marriage proper. Now just think about Joseph's dilemma. <clears throat> Here he was confronted with the obvious fact that the woman he had agreed to, who had agreed to marry him was going to have a baby and he knew it was not his. Can you imagine what must have been going through his mind? 
Now we've read the rest of the story and we know all about what happened, but he didn't. He didn't know what was going to happen or what it was all about. I'm sure he had friends. What would they say? Joseph? Mary, that woman you're going to marry, she's pregnant. It's not your child? What's with that? Joseph also, we're told in verse 19, and that her husband, Joseph being a just man, he was a good man, he was a righteous man, and he was concerned about Mary because he was unwilling to put her to shame. He had resolved, he had decided, I know what I'll do, I'll just divorce her quietly. He was faced with a big dilemma, and folks, he needed some direction. He needed to know what to do. Wes and Philip have done a great job <clears throat> in our sermons these last few weeks, pointing out the role of the angels in the Christmas story. Joseph needed to hear from an angel, and he did. As he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. The angel came to Joseph, and what was the first thing the angel said? Do not fear. Do not fear. Now, folks, you're talking about a message from Christmas that needs to be with us all year long. The angel told to Zacharias, told to Mary, told the shepherds, do not fear. And to Joseph, the angel said the same thing, do not fear. And folks, when we're faced with the large or the small dilemmas of life, we need to hear God's word, do not fear. Fear can stymie us. It can cause us to do nothing, cause us to be doing the wrong things. And the angel's message and the word of God says to us, do not fear. Now we hear that a lot during the Christmas story. The angels is const are constantly saying to their recipients, do not be afraid. The angel said to Joseph, do not be afraid. And that's a message we need to hear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And the glorious thing about this is the angel not only said don't be afraid, the angel went on to say why he did not need to be afraid. It's as if he were saying, the angel said to Joseph, now Joseph, you don't need to be afraid, but let me tell you why you don't need to be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit spirit now folks I believe in the virgin birth I believe very much that Mary was a virgin I believe in the virgin birth but the important thing the important truth in this passage is not that Mary was a virgin but that which was conceived in her was of the Holy Spirit that's the message. I believe Matthew was not so much stressing the fact that Jesus was born of a woman who was a virgin, but more importantly, that the birth of Jesus is first and foremost the work of the Holy Spirit. God at work. <coughs> now you and I, <coughs> as I said earlier, have heard and read the rest of the story, but Joseph he heard it for the first time. 
what would he have thought about that when the angel says don't be afraid because that which is in her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit what would Joseph's point of view hearing those words from the angel be one commentator said if we come to this passage with fresh eyes and if we read it as if we were reading it for the first time we will find that the fact which it stresses is not only that Jesus was born of a woman who was a virgin, but primarily the birth of Jesus is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now when Joseph heard that the child Mary was carrying was the work of the Holy Spirit, again, as a just, and I think we could say righteous man, what would he have thought about? What would he have thought about when he heard the words, the Holy Spirit? <clears throat> now, obviously, I cannot <clears throat> know exactly what was in the mind of Joseph. But let's think about what he would have thought about when he heard the name, the words, the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the, in, in Jewish thought, the Holy Spirit had certain particular functions. According to Jewish idea, the Holy Spirit was the person who brought God's truth to man. It was the Holy Spirit who taught the prophets what to say. It was the Holy Spirit who taught men of God what to do. It was the Holy Spirit who throughout the ages and the generations brought God's truth to man. So when Joseph heard that, that this is the Holy Spirit, that probably was in his mind. Jesus is the one person who brings God's truth to us. Or we can put it another way. Jesus is the one person who can tell us what God is like and what God wants us to be. God's truth is in that baby Jesus. It is only Jesus who can say, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Amen. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. The baby Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit because it brought, he brought God's truth to man. <laughs> now, not only did that Holy Spirit bring God's truth to man, the Holy Spirit and Jewish thought enables man to understand and to see the truth. The Jews believed that the Holy Spirit not only brought God's truth to men, but also enabled men to recognize the truth when they saw it. So then we can see that that baby Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit so that eyes of men could be opened to the truth. We are blinded by so many things in our lives, but Jesus brings to us the truth and enables us. The Holy Spirit enables us to see the truth. Also, when Joseph heard the angel refer to the Holy Spirit, he probably thought of creation. The very first chapter of the Bible, about the second verse, the Jews connected the Spirit of God with the work of creation. It was through His Spirit that God performed His creating work. For we're told that in the beginning the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and chaos became a world. The psalmist says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made 
and all the host of them by the breath of his life. Folks, in that little baby Jesus, we see the creative power of the Holy Spirit at work. That same creative power that created the universe and all that it is in it is reflected in that little baby Jesus because he was conceived and sent to the Holy Spirit. But Joseph may also have been thinking about the work of the Holy Spirit not only in terms of bringing truth to man and enabling man to see all and understand this truth, but he may have thought about the Holy Spirit as a power not only behind all creation but in his thinking, he may have recalled the prophet Ezekiel's grim picture of the valley of dry bones and how those dry bones came alive. And as Ezekiel records the word of God, I shall put my spirit in you and you shall live. Again, we have read the rest of the story. You can hear the angels say, in Jesus that came into this world, the power which can recreate, can remake life and bring life to that person who is dead in their sin. That's not just a message that needs to be proclaimed at Christmas, folks, but all year through. Joseph was faced with a very tough dilemma. What should he do? What could he do? I know he says what I'll do. I'll just divorce her quietly and so she'll have no shame. He needed direction. The angel came and said, don't be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary, your wife, because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So then Joseph was faced with the decision to make. He had to make a decision. Verse 24 tells us what his decision was. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. Now, obviously, we cannot know all that went through Joseph's mind, but as a result of his confrontation with the angel, he believed what he was told and stuck with Mary. Have you ever believed God was asking you to do something you did not fully understand how or why? Have you ever been faced with you thinking, what's well, what God wants me to do, but I don't understand how or why. And yet, you believed and did it anyway. You, you know, one of the, there, there are not a whole lot of blessings of getting old. <laughs> there are a few. And one of them I have begun to realize so real in my life that now that I'm out here, I can look back there and see how God was working even when I didn't know it. And those times we were, oh, what do we do now? What do we do now? What are we going to do now? God led us through those things. And I look back and I, I'm amazed at how God has done that. And folks, the message that we hear from Joseph's point of view is that God says, do it, believe, and do it. Believe and do it. Now then we come to what happens then. or I call it the destiny. He was faced with a dilemma. He got some directions from the angel. He believed. And, and, and God blessed him as we look back to how he blessed him. That it, 
We, he saw God at work later. But, but what was the destiny? Listen, listen, listen to verse 25. He knew her not until she had born a son and he called his name Jesus. The angel had told him earlier, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall name, call his name Jesus. Joseph did as the angel had told him, and in that name we see the true meaning of Christmas. You know, I don't know, most of us probably have children, some don't, that's okay. Naming children can be fun and challenging, can it? We have four children. Our firstborn was a son. Guess what we named him? James Walter Overbay Jr. <laughs> now my father was Walter James, and he was so I was the first. James Walter. Uh, we call my father Walt. They call me Jay, which is short for J.W. As Bob will tell you, in the mountains of southwestern part of the state of Virginia, everybody's known by an initial. I was J.W. growing up, which stood for James Walter. But they call me Jay. So when our son was born, we called him James Walter Jr. We called him Walter. His son was born, he named him James Walter Overbay III. We called him Jay. So in my family, we go, Walt, Jay, Walt, Jay. <laughs> uh, two years to the month later, our second son was born. We named him Lewis Spearman Overbay. Now those of you who were here at First Baptist Church back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, you may have heard the name Lewis Spearman. He was a deacon in this church. He was my father-in-law, my wife's father. So that was the name that meant, hey, my father-in-law is now, my son has his name. 14 months later, we had another son. God blessed us real quick. We named him Shifley Keith Overbank. Shifley from my wife's uncle who he and his wife were never able to have children and we thought it would be appropriate to have a child that could bear his name. His name was Shifley. Keith came from Beth Greer's father, Billy Keith Falaw. Good friend of ours who had a house full of girls. I told him, Billy, I see about six or seven reasons why I could not answer God's call to go to Brazil as a missionary. <laughs> All those little girls. We thought it appropriate that some boy be named for a great guy like Billy Keith Falaw. So our third son is named Shifley Keith. We call him Keith. More than two years later, our daughter finally got here. Thank you, Lord, it wasn't twin boys. <laughs> we named her Jamie Esther Overbay. You know her now in our church as Jamie Esther Dennis. Jamie was my mother's name. Esther was my wife's name. We name people because of certain reasons, and, 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 and don't we? 
Uh, and it's amazing how I hope and pray that the one that got my name don't come out exactly like me. But anyway, uh, our, our daughter is channeling now not only her mother, but her grandmother. She's so much in loving like they are. Now most of us, if we have children, have named them for a very specific reason. And so it was with Jesus. Jesus is the Greek form for the Jewish name Joshua or Joshua, which simply means Jehovah is salvation. Joseph, I am sure, did not fully understand, but the angel told him that the child Mary was carrying would grow into the Savior who would save God's people. Did you hear what the angel said? You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus was not so much the man born to be king as he was the man born to be Savior. He came to the world not for his own sake, but for us and our salvation. And did you hear the phrase to save his people? What does that mean? I don't think it meant that Jesus was coming to save every person in all of the world and everybody would be saved just because Jesus came. I don't think that meant that the angel was saying that Jesus came to save his people, the Jewish people. I don't think that's what it meant. What do you think it meant when the G G angel said to Joseph, his name shall be called Jesus for he shall save his people. His people. I think we get the answer to that question in the first chapter of John's Gospel where he says to us, he came to his own home and his own people received him not. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of God, the will of man, but of God. That's the people he came to save. Those who would believe, those who would accept him, and what he was saying, and what he came to do. Who are his people? They're those of us who have received and have believed in him. That's who have been saved. That's the answer to the message from the angel. As limited as his understanding was, Joseph believed the angel's message. Jesus the Savior was born into his family. And the big question for all of us is simply, have we believed? And are we sharing that true message of Christmas with those around us? This time of Christmas for 2019 has come and gone. But folks, the message that the Savior has been born will never go away. And we must remember that and hear the angel say to us as we enter a new decade, don't be afraid. Do not fear. The Savior has been born. And He will save those who believe and receive Him. So we pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day. It's a gift from you, and we thank you for that gift. And as is true with all your gifts, Father, make us good stewards of this day.
Be with us as we go into the worship service. Be with Richard as he brings a message to us. And Father, help all of us never to forget that the true meaning and message of Christmas is that the Savior has been born. And he will save those who believe and receive him. May we share that message in word and deed each day of the new year. For I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Thank you for playing. It's always good. Oh. Push them.